Welcome back to the G Truth, the one only good truth. It is your host, Giovanni Canales, and we have a lot to cover today. Free agency starts this Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and there are a lot of big names out there. We have, uh, I have Alyssa in front of me, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, you got Kawhi Leonard, you got Clay Thompson, you got Tobias Harris, D'Angelo Russell, Al Horford, Porzingis, uh, Nikola, Vuce- Nikola Vucevic, there we go. And Boogie Cousins, you got Paul Millsap, Brooke Lopez. Some are bigger names than others. Some are younger, some are older, some are veterans, some are still newbies. And I'm telling you, I know where some of them are going, and I don't know where others are going. Al Horford, you got like three teams going after him. You got like the Mavericks, you got the Lakers, the Clippers, some other teams I'm sure are going after him. I have no idea where Al Horford's going. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, I really don't know. I, I, I would like to say the Warriors because coming off an injury, I don't imagine him going into the market and testing it out that much. I imagine him staying maybe for a year or two in San Francisco and kind of exploring it there and then, you know, maybe after a year leaving or, you know, taking a sign-in trade. That's what I imagine happening. But in reality, I have really no idea if he's going to just straight up leave because he has the full liberty to do that. Now, these other players, it's pretty easy to tell where they're probably going to land. Brooke Lopez, he's going to go back to the Bucks. Paul Millsap, he's going to go back to the Nuggets. Jamarcus Cousins, even though there's a report out there saying that he got a one-year offer from the New York Knicks, let's be real. He's not going to New York. He's not going to New York. He's staying. In Golden State. Because he still wants to increase his market value. He still wants to get that ring. You know, etc, etc. Nikola Vucevic, even though he's going to get offers from other teams that are trying to win now. He's going to stay in Orlando because he can get the most money there. After coming off, uh, I believe, an all-star year. Christoph Porzingis. He's going to stay in Dallas. He's, he's going to get the max contract, whether you like it or not. I personally think that, you know, he kind of deserves it, but... Would I be willing willing to give it to him? Not really. He's very injury prone. I probably would give him less. But I understand where he's coming from. Where you know he's a very good young player. Where I believe that you know in a way he deserves it, but I wouldn't give it to him. D'Angelo Russell. I'm gonna get to him later, along with Kyrie Irving, Tobias Harris. I believe he comes back to Philadelphia. I don't really see any team out there that's a perfect suitor for him. Aside from him, except for maybe. The Clippers, but I don't think he's going back there. I think that Philly is right now the place for him alongside Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and I think it's going to be also Jimmy Butler coming back there. I don't think that he's going to Houston. I know that Houston's pushing and trying to try to you know package together some sort of deal like they did earlier this season for Jimmy Butler with those four first-round picks, but they're going to try to throw in Clint Capella, uh, Eric Gordon, some other players. I just don't think it's going to happen. Chris Middleton, of course, is going to return to the Bucks. They're, they're going to run it back. Clay Thompson is going to come back to the Warriors. The, unless the Warriors do not offer them him the max, but they will. They'd be really stupid not to. Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell. I'm going to talk about all of them today. All of them today. I'm not going to talk about KD today because, really, 
you don't really know too much about it. Kawhi, we don't really know too much about it, but I think it's a lot more straightforward for Kawhi. As of right now, it's a lot more straightforward because there's not so many questions up in the air. So without further ado, let's start. D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. Potentially, we'll switch teams. It won't be D'Angelo going to the Celtics. Really, it'll be him going to the Lakers. Because right now, there's news of the Lakers making a strong case for getting D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers again. And that all comes from the Nets getting Kyrie, potentially, or being the highest bidder for Kyrie. And the news is that if they get Kyrie, they're going to let go D'Angelo Russell because they don't believe it'll be a good fit. Now, I think it's a mistake. I've said it before. I think it's a mistake for not only both teams. Not only for both teams. For, For the Lakers, it's like a bit more shaky of a mistake. It's not like a really bad mistake. It's, you know, it has maybe like one pro and a whole bunch of cons for the... Brooklyn Nets getting Kyrie Irving, I can't think of one pro that comes from it. I really can't. I just think of a whole bunch of cons. But let me start with the Nets. Why is it bad for the Nets to let go of Angela Russell and to get Kyrie Irving in return? Now, we all agree that Kyrie Irving, at this point in his career, is better than D'Angelo Russell. But guess what? You can tell that to the to the Houston Rockets all you want. Analytics does not make a team good. It does not. Chemistry, fit, personality, bonding, all that stuff makes a team good. Combined with talent and skill. But when you have all this talent and no team chemistry, you're going to lose. I would rather have a lot of team chemistry... And, you know, some talent, and I'll win a lot more games than I would with a whole bunch of talent and little to no chemistry. Yes, talent can win some games, but it won't win every single game. And it won't get you where you need to go. Now, for the Nets, I believe that what they should do is just keep D'Angelo Russell. Just keep him. You can grow that team full of young players. You got Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell. You got Joe Harris, who's on more of the veteran side. But still, you got a whole bunch of young players. You got Jared Allen, too. And like I said, you want that team chemistry. You saw them dancing on the sidelines every single time someone scored a basket. You want to build that team team chemistry. You want them all to grow together. You look at all the teams that have won championships in the past. Most recently, you look at the Warriors. They're all around the same age group. They're all around the same age group because you want them all to grow at the same time. You don't want it to be stagnated. One person exiting their prime, one person entering. You want them both entering their prime at the same time so that you get maximum production. Kobe and Shaq both entering their primes around the same time that they were in together. MJ and Scotty, that too. Now the LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh was a bit more complicated because it was like you don't really know if D-Wade was exiting his prime, but he was still there. He was still somewhat in his prime. At least for the first few years, he was still in his prime. And they won championships like that. But that's how I think that the Nets should go about it. They should keep that team together, let them grow together, and then additionally, 
we all know that Kyrie Irving is not a leader for a playoff team. You just look at what at what he did for the Boston Celtics. That that was not a playoff team. They made the playoffs in the East, yeah. The Nets are also in the East. But let's be honest. If he goes to the Nets, he'll destroy it. It's a bad look for Kyrie, too. Because, once again, the, the, the narrative's going to be, look, you're not a leader. You, you need a LeBron to save your butt in Cleveland. You really needed him. You may have hit the biggest shot, but you really needed LeBron because you can't even do anything. You may make the playoffs, but you're bouncing around from team to team like a pinball machine. And the, narrative, and the narrative will be, he would fail again. And he's not a leader. And ultimately, even if KD did come, which would be great for the Nets, the narrative would, would still hurt Kyrie. Because I'm telling you, even if KD did come, they would still stuck for that first year. It would definitely enhance KD's legacy, but it would hurt Kyrie's legacy. Because it would be, once again, oh, you needed that, you needed that guy come and save you because you couldn't do it because you're not a leader it would enhance that narrative again now the Lakers I think that getting D'Angelo Russell would be not that great for them I don't think it'd be like like the end of the world like it would be with you know the Nets getting Kyrie Irving but I think it wouldn't be great you want to get someone that's not an isolation scorer who needs the ball in his hands to score every single time. Unless that superstar is someone like a Ka- uh, a Kawhi Leonard or a Kevin Durant. But we know it's not going to be Kevin Durant because he's not going to go to the Lakers. And I-, and I think that they can spend their money a bit better. I, I just think they can. Yeah, they might miss out on Kemba. But they-, but they can still go after Kyrie. They can still go after Kyrie. They can still go after Kawhi Leonard. They can still build up that bench. Because really, they only have three players on their roster, really. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma. you got to build that roster. You can't just fill it up with a bunch of guys on minimums. And I think ultimately, for the Lakers, you know how movies, how usually when there's no bridge there, there's usually some sort of vine or rope that people can swing across. But it's usually, but it's usually super risky because it's on like some sort of like really rickety branch. It's about to fall off. Yeah. The Lakers bridge with D'Angelo Russell has already been burned to the ground. It's already fell on, uh, it's already fell off the cliff. Don't risk swinging across the rope or vine on that rickety branch just for him. Don't risk it. And same with D'Angelo Russell. Don't return to the team that threw you away like trash. Who didn't give you a second chance? Don't come back to that team. Come back to the team in the Nets that took a chance on you, trusted you, and believed in you. You don't run back to those who who hurt you. If anything, you show them up. You come back and say, hey, you made a mistake. You don't come running back to them. Not at all. Now, for the Lakers, if they do get D'Angelo Russell, the one pro I can think of is that it's more of a safety uh, sort of cushion when LeBron James inevitably retires. 
or if he gets injured or something like that, where he no where he no longer plays, it, it's a good pairing of him and Anthony Davis on paper. Of D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis on paper. It's a good pairing. And that's the one pro I can think of. But for both of these teams, I'm telling you, please don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to hurt yourselves, and you're, and you're going to hurt these players. And if I'm these players, don't let this happen. Don't do this. It's going to hurt your own legacy. It's going to hurt these teams. Oh. I'm telling you. Now, for the Celtics and Kemba Walker agreement and free agency. It is rumored that the Celtics are prepared to offer him a contract as soon as free agency starts. And it is also rumored that Kemba Walker is is leaning over. Kemba Walker, my bad. I don't know why I said Walker. But Kemba Walker is leaning over to signing with the Boston Celtics. And unlike the D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving, Lakers, and Brooklyn Nets situation, I believe that this is good for both parties involved, the Celtics and Kemba Walker. Let me start with the uh, Boston Celtics. They first had Isaiah Thomas. They first had Isaiah Thomas. Then they had Kyrie Irving. And then they had Kemba Walker now. Hypothetically. Assumingly. If they get Kemba Walker, that's how it will go. Otherwise, it's going to be most likely Terry Rozier. Now, they each have their own pros and cons. And also, when you rank them, Kyrie Irving's the best, then it comes Kemba Walker, and then it comes Isaiah Thomas. But if we go down that tier of ranking, let's start with Isaiah Thomas. No one can doubt that he was great. He was a bit injury-prone. He had injuries later on. That eventually led to him being traded away and going down from, you know, Cleveland to the Lakers and then to Denver. But he just couldn't take the Celtics over that hump. Even though he was battling an injury, he just couldn't do it. And it's not saying that he's bad or anything like that. He's a great player, but he was the only one there. And they didn't have these young pieces that they have now. But also, at the same time, while he was there, you didn't hear any chemistry problems you didn't hear oh this guy over here terry rozier was like bad mouthing isaiah thomas while he was there or something like that you didn't hear marcus mark going like oh he's a bad leader Urgh. now on the flip side we have kyrie irving who everyone says and i also say is better than isaiah thomas and kemba walker he's better he's outstanding he's better than both of them but at the same time, we heard all these reports and rumors of chemistry problems. Again, it's one of those things where you can have all the talent in the world, but chemistry is what matters too. You gotta have that chemistry before you have talent. You gotta have that culture before you have the talent to win. But with Kemba Walker, he's not as good as Kyrie Irving, but he's better than Isaiah Thomas, he's had the uh, career so far of just being out of the playoffs. He hasn't been in the playoffs that much. And so I don't think that he'll bring 
any chemistry problems. I don't think he'll be like, give me the ball. Everyone get out of my way. I don't think he will be like that. I just don't think so. And I think that, you know, he, he'll, he'll be able to take them to the playoffs and they'll have a good run in the playoffs. I don't think that they'll win the championship, but it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot more fun to watch the Celtics than watching this past team implode before our face. It gives you both the best of both worlds of Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas. Great player, no chemistry problems. Play both together, and you got a team that can actually win. They won't win the championship, like I said, but they can actually win some games. And there won't be reports and rumors every single day of the week about how he's pushing away teammates and all that stuff. It also gives Kemba Walker a chance to shine in the playoffs that he hasn't been to in quite some time because, frankly, the Hornets have sucked. Because, I don't know why, but Michael Jordan, who's, in my opinion, and should be revered as the greatest of all time, is not a good basketball team owner. The, the, the report is, is that he offered a contract way below Kemba's liking. And it's like, MJ, come on. Come on, man. You got to offer Kemba Walker that. And I get it. You don't want to go over the luxury tax for a team that's not making the playoffs. But that's also part of your fault. I get it. Not a lot of players want to go to Charlotte. But you got to make trades. You got to draft better. You just drafted Malik Monk. I kind of liked him coming out of college, but he looks really, really bad. You got that Bridges kid. He looks all right, but he isn't a freshly made product yet. You got to trade for players. You got to do something. And that's ultimately the reason why that Kemba left. Because he wants to win. And he's going to get that in Boston. And Boston's going to get him too without all the problems and all that stuff. And and if they are able to push themselves, force their way into the um, alleged Jimmy Butler to the Houston Rockets trade, which I don't think is going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. And if it does, then Houston's really screwed. But I believe that if they can force their way into there and get Clint Capella, damn. That, that that can be a really nice roster. And bring back Terry Rozier. Ooh. It won't win the championship, but it'll, it'll be nice. It'll be fun to watch. We'll have Kemba Walker, Clint Capella, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, whoever's going to play at the four. Marcus Smart. It could be pretty good. It could be really, really fun to watch. So I think that in this case, unlike the previous case that I talked about, the D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, LA Lakers situation. I think that this is going to yield, this is going to yield better results for both the team and the player. And especially for the player in this case, for Kemba Walker. Because now he can actually show himself and prove himself in the playoffs. Because he will go down as probably one of the best point guards to play the game that hasn't even come close to winning anything. At all. 
play. It's going to be great for both teams. And I'm looking forward to seeing it if it does happen. Probably the most quiet superstar in the league has three destinations in mind in free agency. That's Kawhi Leonard. He has the Raptors in mind, the LA Clippers, and the LA Lakers. Now, I know there's a report out there saying that he's also interested in the New York teams. He's also interested in Philadelphia and giving them a meeting. But let's be honest. That is some bull jive. That's not happening. He's going to choose between the L.A. teams and Toronto. Now, I believe that the more and more progress and success that the Raptors had in the playoffs, it would increase the likelihood of him staying in Toronto. That's what I believe. And they won the championship. Granted, it was mostly due to injuries taken to the Golden State team, but they still won it. But I think at this point, he would have given some sort of indication that he would be staying. He already did what he could for Toronto. He was free of guilt to leave. And I think that is what he will do. Because at this point, he would have given some indication. You would think, right? I know that he wants to wait until a free agency. He's going to take his time. But come on. You would give some indication if you really, really wanted to stay. The L.A. scenery is its hometown. You, you, you had a good Clipper squad there. there. There's reports that, you know, he, he would be paired up with Jimmy Butler if he were to come. And I believe at this point that he won the championship, finals MVP for the second time in his career. He thinks of himself as a reason for free agents to come to a certain team. And I think that he wants that team to be in L.A. and to be the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I know that he will be considering the Lakers because it said in a report. And it also said in a report that he would be considering the Lakers heavily if they were able to get Anthony Davis and clear up enough, enough cap room. And, and he will be meeting with the Lakers, I believe. But I don't think it's going to happen. I believe there's nearly 0% chance of him actually coming to the Lakers rather than the Clippers. But if he were, it would be an instant ship, an instant championship if he were to come to the Lakers with that squad. I don't care who is on the bench, but it would be an instant championship unless everyone got injured. Unless everyone got injured, it'd be an instant championship. But I don't think he'll do that. And I don't think that the Lakers, even though they would get a championship, especially LeBron, would necessarily like that to happen. Mainly because it would put another asterisk on LeBron's career, where it'd be, hey, you couldn't win in the East. You you went to eight straight finals in the East. But the East was asleep. And the West is a different beast. You can make the playoffs in the West. You need some help. You need two extra superstars to actually make the playoffs and to actually win the championship. You can't do it. 
You can't win in a duo. You need three players. You and two other players, and then you got Kyle Kuzma too. I think I think it will add another asterisk on LeBron's legacy, and I, and I don't think he wants that at this point in, in his career where he's getting up there in age. He's not old yet. He's not basketball old, but he's got enough tread on his tires, tread on his wheels, where any sort of asterisk or stain on his career, on his legacy, he can't really go back and amend or or uh, fix by accomplishing something else. He can't really do that. And I think that ultimately for Kawhi Leonard, it would hurt his own legacy. Because think about who he's won with. He's won with the San Antonio Spurs when they had Tim Duncan, when they had Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. And then in Toronto, where he won. But he won because, frankly, the Golden State Warriors became Warriors. It was just Curry. Yeah, you can say, oh, they had Boogie. They had Boogie. And they had Jamon Green. And, 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 and I wish you could see my face because I'd be looking at you like this. I'd be like this. Really, bro? Really? You were telling me that Draymond Green and Boogie Cousins are offensive threats at this point in their career? Tomorrow. Draymond Green's not an offensive threat. We all know that. Jamarcus Cousins is coming off a really multiple bad injuries. He's nowhere close to where, he, where he's going to be. He may be. Maybe next year, but not, not in the finals. Kevin Durant was out. Clay Thompson was out for two games. I think that the Warriors would have won if he actually was in. There's a lot of asterisks next to Kawhi's career. And no one's doubting. I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying that we have yet to see him truly lead a team to a championship without a lot of things going his way. Whether it be having multiple Hall of Famers on his team. Proven Hall of Famers, not Hall of Famers that down the road we say, oh, that's a Hall of Famer. But Hall of Famers that we knew at that time were Hall of Famers. Who had already won championships before. And same goes for the Kevin Durant situation where like there's some asterisk by his championships and a lot of question marks by it. Where does it really count? And yes, it does count, of course. Kawhi Leonard's championships and finals MVPs, of course they count. Of course they count. But there's going to be little little questions, little snide remarks around them. We're like, ah, he, he needed the worst to be injured. He couldn't do it. Yeah, he, he needed all these different players to have their best game just to beat one guy. All that. And I think ultimately he also just wants to compete against LeBron and these other superstars. He's a competitor. And I'm pretty sure that he doesn't want to go to a team in the Lakers that are going to be stacked to the brim. I think that he wants to go to the Clippers because he's already done his job in Toronto. He probably doesn't want to stay there. He wants to return home to the Clippers. And he wants to deliver a championship in L.A., but on his own terms, not following LeBron James. And, and, and it's as simple as that. He wants to be his own man. That's the best summary of it, really. He wants to be his own man. He's already done his job in Toronto. He doesn't want to help LeBron. He wants to compete against him. 
and he wants to win for himself to finally prove that, hey, I am here. And he has yet to win a, in, in a regular season MVP. And I think that this could be the year if if, if he comes to, to L.A. Now, now you could argue that Curry or LeBron could win it, but or maybe even Giannis. I don't, th- I don't think it's, I don't think it's gonna be LeBron. I think it's gonna be more of Giannis, Steph, and Kawhi. That, that that's why I think at this point. And I think that, and I think that Kawhi will have a serious case to win it if he goes to the Clippers. I could talk about KD's free agency and give my guess for that, but let's be honest. Unlike the other players, KD's free agency is really a crapshoot. He has the Warriors, Clippers, Knicks, Nets, a whole bunch of other teams that he's probably looking at. He's a dark horse. You saw that a couple years ago, back in OKC, when he went to the Thunder and all of, When he went to OKC and went to the Warriors, sorry, I confused my teams there for a quick second, but it all shocked the world. You were shocked, I was shocked, everyone was shocked. So really, I'm not going to take a guess on KD. I already said I think that he's going to come back to Golden State. It just seems right. But with all the news around it, I really don't know. I couldn't confidently give you a guess. So instead, I'm going to talk about something that probably has a bit more meaning right now. Because really, I don't know what KD's going to do. But I know what's probably going to happen with this. The NBA has proposed a new rule. And this new rule is regarding challenges. Yes, challenges. Just like the NFL. It will allow NBA coaches to challenge plays. But they have limited these plays. They have limited they have limited it to called fouls. Called fouls. So that means the fouls need to be called, and then you can, you know, like boop, challenge and be like, hey, that's not a foul, or something like that. It will be also goaltending, basket interference, those type of things, and out-of-bounds plays. This has already gone two seasons of testing in the G League, and it's going to be implemented in this year's Summer League. So it's already gone through some trial. Trial and error. So I believe it'll work. And there are still other parts of it that I find a bit interesting. It's similar to the NFL in the sense that you need a timeout to call it. And if you get the challenge right, you get to keep the timeout. But it's not similar to the NFL in the sense that if you get it, it even if you get it right, you lose that challenge. In the NFL, if you get it right, you keep that challenge. In this, you don't keep the challenge. You, you get one challenge and only one challenge. And what I think that does is that it helps keep the flow of the game. Helps keep the flow of the game. Because now, what you also get is that you get a reversal of the previous review rules. Where before, refs can review whatever they wanted. They do the little twirl motion in the air with their fingers. And be like, hey, we're going to review it. Or, or they would even listen to the coaches go ahead and review it. It keeps the flow of the game. Keeps the flow of the game. It also allows for plays to be reviewed 
when it clearly obstructs the rules. Which is also good. And, and it allows to keep the flow of the game too. And it only allows, I'm guessing these coaches will will know when to pick their battles. Because they, they only got one one little challenge thing to to uh, throw out there. They only got one challenge to throw. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to choose their battles. And they're going to let a lot of plays go. They're, they're going to let a lot of plays go. And so we're going to see a lot quicker tempo games. We're going to see a lot, probably more frustrated coaches, to be quite frank with you. We're, we're going to see an early adjustment early on in the season. And we're going to see these player, these these coaches hold on to their challenge request until very, very late in the game. So now it can make the end game a bit more murky when it gets really, really close and really muddy and chaotic. But I think for the most part, it'll be kind of nice tempo for a majority of the game now i do think that there was one major flaw for this because the rule book says well in this case for for, for this rule that when the team wants to request a challenge they must immediately call a timeout and then during the timeout immediately go up to the official and say hey i want a challenge i want to challenge that play no, I, I understand where the NBA is coming from and the idea is there, but I think that this comes with a big, old negative. It is horrible for teams on the defensive end. And I'll give you one play off the top of my head, off the top of my head, that highlights this. Kevin Durant going out of bounds, against the Houston Rockets. Y'all saw this play. It was all over social media. You had players saying, oh, the refs love Golden State. And, and obviously that's not the case. They just obviously didn't blow their whistle. But in that case, that play, I don't believe, would be reversed. Because although it's an out-of-bounds play, the defense won't be able to call a timeout. Because like I said, the rule book states... That a timeout can only be called when you're on offense or a dead ball takes place. And Houston was on defense. So how are they supposed to call a timeout and fix that play? Call a challenge on that. Granted, this was the regular season. But things like this can happen in the playoffs. So I think that it is a good idea, and the NBA did a good job by implementing this rule, or at least setting it up for implementation, because it hasn't gone under vote yet and has not been officialized yet. But I think that that comes with one huge negative. It's going to hurt the defense. It's going to help the offense more so. You, 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 the, the simplest thing that comes to mind is the foul calls, too. You remember that uh, whole charge uh, blocking foul sort of thing? Yeah, I think in that case, it can actually help the offense more. Even though you can argue it'll help the defense, I think it'll help with the offense more. Because once you go into the game situations and you have something like that, 
say they call it a charge, dead ball. The team that was on the offensive side would go like, no. Timeout. We're going to challenge that. We're going to challenge that. Mm-hmm. We're going to challenge that. Yeah. Yeah, you heard me. We're going to challenge that. And and what they're going to do is that they're going to watch the replay. And they're going to see some slight little movement and be like, oh, no. That's a blocking foul. That's a blocking foul. Because technically, he moved. He slid in- into the offensive player. Because there's going to be some movement in these cases. No one is going to be perfectly still when they're going to get run over in a charge. But I think that that's how it's going to go. Now, if it doesn't go like that, then you know, credit to the NBA for creating a perfect rule. But no rule is perfect. This will have that major flaw of helping the offensive game more. Not only with the flow, which I think will be good, because you won't have all these timeouts called early on, because these teams are going to reserve it for the very end. Especially one more for a challenge. And the refs won't be able to stop the game continuously for reviews. But you have these late game situations, which is probably going to help the offensive side. Probably will. Now, ultimately, this will take a vote on July 9th. And two-thirds of the 30 teams, so that's 20 teams, need to vote yes to pass it. But according to Zach Lowe, you can expect it to be passed. And I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But it has that one fatal flaw of helping offenses more than it will help the defensive side of things. But who knows? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It could be perfect. It could be perfect. Because there's only one challenge. So maybe it won't have a severe consequence, but I think it will. I think it will have a severe consequence in the long run. I just think it will. It will help the offenses more than it will help the defense. Thank you for listening to the G Truth. Be sure to like and subscribe if you are listening to this on YouTube, as well as follow this podcast on the podcast app of your choice and also the podcast app that you listen to the most. Also, be sure to share this podcast slash channel with your family and friends to help this channel grow as well as this podcast grow. It has been the G-Truth. This is your host, Giovanni Canales. Thank you for tuning in to the G-Truth, and peace out.